This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the very first time, please visit blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. This is more geared towards your athlete, but it works for everyday blue-collar worker or anyone who has aches and pains. You do not smoke this. You do not ingest this. This is more a roll-on, a rub-on, a lotion. You put it on top of your skin. Less than 1% THC, so you will not get high. It does wonders. So please visit blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Into nerd culture or collectibles or signed memorabilia, please visit firstroll.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. Everything you see there is in Canadian funds, so to all you American listeners, it's a little bit cheaper rate for you. They update daily. They got everything from signed sports memorabilia to wrestling figures to comic books to signed MMA memorabilia. Anything you literally need or want, they have there. And like I said, they update daily, so please visit them every day that you can. If you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there. Click on the link. takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to baby onesies to COVID masks to travel mugs. Anything you literally need or want is there. But if you don't want to support me monetarily, please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a mixed martial artist who has fought for such promotions as Bellator, PFL, Golden Boy, and the UFC. He is the winner of the Ultimate Fighter Season 8. Efrain Echo in Mexico Scudero. What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? Well, I'm doing fantastic, my friend. Most importantly, how are you doing today? I'm actually doing pretty good. I actually just got off of work. I, uh, well, I have to report back to work in, uh, in a few hours. But other than that, I'm here at home and, like, you know, and getting to enjoy uh, a little time off of work. So, if you don't mind asking, what do you do now for a living other than MMA fighting, obviously? So, I, so not long ago, I was working, I, I decided, you know, my, my MMA career was kind of like a halt. Okay. I didn't know what I was going to do, and, you know, I was fighting in Russia, I was out, I would see uh, ACA, and, you know, I was traveling the world, and, 
and 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 pretty much like just going. But then uh, I kind of hit a like a like a little like a little gray zone. Oh shit! Sure. And okay. once you get up, going to Russia, you're not gonna you're not gonna win unless you <laughs> pretty much up the opponent. So I kind of like I was like, what am I gonna do? You know, like I was like, it's fighting all I got. Mm. Like you know, I went to college. What what is there besides? So I was talking to one of my friends and. We decided, uh, he called me. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm just at work. I mean, I was just I was just getting back from Poland. And he's like, you want a job? And I was like, a job? Doing what? <laughs> he's right. like, what? He's uh, like, well, you'll be working in the oil fields in Texas. And I was like, well, I'm in Arizona. What? You want me to go to Texas? Yeah, so he's all like, yeah, but you'll be making uh, $10,000 a month. Oh, shit. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, was a month okay talk to me you got my attention right and he's all like yeah you won't even have to get punched i mean obviously you're gonna work <laughs> yeah. every single day you work 7 12 right so then i started contemplating i was like i started wedging my my options you know weighing my options do i just sit here mm. like you know i'm a, I'm a father i, I co-parent there you go but I was like, you know what? And he told me, you can come here for a couple months, and then you're done, and then you go home, and you have a lot of money in your bank account. It's like a fight, you know, just three months. So then I was like, man, three months, that's that's three that's $30,000, you know? I was like, man, you're in the middle of the desert. So I, I, I spoke with my baby's mother, and she's mm. like, yeah, go ahead and go. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, I was like, just help me with the babysitters. Like, you know, just send me money. I was like, all right, cool, I got it. Okay. I was like, all right, cool, I'll go. And he's like, when? <laughs> like, you have to report in three days. Oh shit! I was like, three days? <laughs> it's nineteen hours to travel there, oh. so that goes a whole day. Right. So I have a day to pack all my stuff. I have another day to be on the road. So. I pretty much packed everything I could in a bag, in a, in a, in a duffel bag, and I left to Texas to work in the oil fields. I was neck cracking. I was working in, the, like, I worked seven twelves for three months straight. I, so all I remember and I, what I got from that mm -hmm. was that no matter what you do in life, if you can work and make money and do something you, you love, it doesn't matter what, what it is that you're doing. Sure. So then um, I had a, I had a little accident out there, and uh, my daughter was just like, Dad, I'm just tired of you being away. So mm. I came down back to Arizona. And working 7-12s and coming back to all I'm going to do is train and just sit at home <laughs> was not in my spectrum. Oh. I cannot just sit. I was like, there's no way I would go to the gym. I would come back, and I was like, I was missing something. You know, you work 7 days a week, 12-hour shifts. Yeah. You come home and you sit at home for like two hours. You start going crazy. You're like, man, I, I'm I'm losing money here. Sure. So then uh, I decided to get a job and uh, I, I, I have a criminal justice degree, so I went okay. and I, I decided for a private security company, so we work over for a private security company. We oversee um, a bunch of like different locations and stuff like that. So, nice. you know, it, it's amazing because I get to help them out and I get to train them and, you know, I'm out on the field and, you know, and it's fun, you know, it, you, you get to interact with a bunch of people. A lot of people sure. recognize me, but due to the fact that, you know, I got a mask and glasses mm. and 
you know, I wear my vest, my bulletproof vest on and, and all that. Not a lot of people recognize me, but it's, it's fun, you know? Well, I want to know one thing, because obviously being here from Canada, guns aren't legal. So our security do not carry guns anywhere. It's just the cops up here, right? So do you get to carry a gun as a security guard down there? Yes, sir. Oh. I carry a gun, taser, I get pepper spray. Uh, I got my rape whistle, too, sometimes. I just can't. I was going to say, who's going to try just, and do that? That was a joke for everybody watching this. <laughs> oh, my God. So, have now, a big question. Have you ever had to use your gun yet? Uh, no, and I hope never to God to have to use it, of you course. know. Yeah. I am skilled at what I do, and a lot of you guys have seen me fight mm. in every single platform that you can possibly think of, you know. I fought in every single major organization, yeah. literally. Yeah. Um, and all I can tell you is, is I have a good verbal skills. I have a good way of determining if a guy really wants to fight. Mm. So I can de-escalate the situation before it even gets to that point, you know. Sure. And by the way, everybody's mad and angry, but let's face it. Right now, we're facing a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is just guide their direction. It's just like momentum. When we're going through a motion, you guide the momentum, and you, you save yourself a lot of trouble. Well, it's the same with verbal for your verbal skills. Somebody's mad, guide their, guide their verbal skills. Hey, you know what? I completely understand what you're going through. I felt the same way, but you know what? This is, uh, this is what we're dealing with right now, and I mean, I'm sorry. I wish... We can do other stuff, but and that pretty much de-escalates the whole situation. No, of course. And again, like you said, I'm sure your MMA background helps out a lot in diffusing that as well. And speaking of MMA, okay, so you were born in Mexico. When did you come over to the States? I came in, I was uh, seven years old. Oh, okay. I was seven years old. Yeah, and uh, a funny story, mm-hmm. um, you know, funny story that I actually came as an illegal. Oh, shit. <laughs> My like, I'm not lying to you guys. I am wow. I'm an American citizen. I will stand and, and represent this country, and I will back up this country for in, in any way needed or possible. Okay. But uh, during when I was back in what it was like '92, mm. my literally my brother and like some people put a ladder on the fence. Oh shit! And we. We jumped the fence, and I had a, that's that's how I came to America, and I still remember that day. And you know, they gave me a student visa afterwards, oh. and 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 then uh, like the next day after I came back, and uh, and then for the next fourteen years, I wasn't able to go to Mexico until I got my residency. Oh shit! Really? That's how they do it, eh? Yeah. There's oh, three wow. ways of becoming an American citizen. Okay. One way is you. Somebody is an American citizen and they ask for you. Okay. okay. Another way, like if you marry mm-hmm. uh, like an American citizen, mm-hmm. I was seven years old. There's no way I'm going to marry anybody. Right. <laughs> and, and then you enter a lottery, which in most cases, a lot of people do that. Right. So how do you enter a, how do you enter a lottery is like they give you a number. Mm. And let's say they give you 520. Okay. They're on number two. Oh shit! So they that that was the that was a process, and it yeah. took me thirteen years. Wow! For my for my number to be called, mm-hmm. but during that time, I didn't care because I mean, obviously, yes, uh, I was born in Mexico, but you know what? 
uh, America has been uh, great to me at all times, and I, 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 I can't, I can't complain. You know, the, the lifestyle here is the the land of the free and the home of the brave. You know, so. No, I hear. You. Of course, no. Uh, yeah, this the northern part of North America is the best part of North America. <laughs> Uh, so did you do practice any martial arts uh, as a young child in Mexico or was it all wrestling towards a uh, college? Oh, when I, when I came in, um, I, I was a troubled kid growing up. Okay. So, like when I say I was a troubled kid, like I was a troubled kid. I got, my parents worked in the fields and, you know, one of the things I, uh, you start to realize is when your parents work in the field and they don't speak English, they have two jobs. Mm-hmm. And I can, I'm pretty sure that you can relate because um, what Mexicans and Hispanic parents do is they give you love and they give you food and a warm bed. Right. That's it. They don't read with you. They don't help you with your homework. <laughs> first of all, because first of all, because they they, they, they don't speak English. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Oh. Um, and the job is to make sure that you have a warm bed and that you have food on the table. So I was forced to be like, I was forced to kind of grow up kind of like on my own, following my brother's footsteps and stuff. Mm-hmm. But all my brothers were in trouble during the time. You know, my brothers were either in jail or they were doing bad. And uh, during that time, that was my norm. That was my society. It was okay to get in trouble. Oh. It was okay. It was accepted. So I would fight a lot. I joined gang. I joined a gang. I was in trouble. Yeah. I remember getting sent military program as a juvenile twice. Wow. I, I, I just kind of like hit me, you know, I was like, I was angry at the world, but within my own self, mm. because I had so much built animosity that you know i didn't have christmas at times i didn't have thanksgiving i didn't have what like your normal society but i was like i I, there's a good quote from will smith that he says if the world is against you why would you punch why would you hit yourself in the nuts Mm. excuse my language yeah of course and there's that for friday and i and i literally always remember that because with myself, that's what I was doing. You know, I was so angry at the world, but I would continue to hit myself and put myself in situations where I was in trouble. Yeah. So, um, I remember this man and, uh, he's my godfather. Now he, he saw something within me and he said, you're going to wrestle. His name is Jose Moreno. He says, you're going to wrestle. And at the time I was a little gangster. Remember I told you guys, I was like, there's no way I'm going to put those little tight singlets on. So he kept telling me, you're going to wrestle. And he gave me no option. What do I mean with that? He literally, I would make up every excuse not to go to wrestling practice. And he found solutions. Oh, I can't go. I don't have a ride. He'll be like, I'm, I'm out. I'm parked outside. Let's go. Mm. But look out. He was outside and, you know, that he literally gave me no option but to succeed. So then I actually, I got in the wrestling room, I started wrestling, and then I got beat. Right. And then it became, a, a, it became like an anger, like I was going to be better, and I was going to come back, and I was going to beat that guy that beat me. And there was nobody, nothing that could stop me. And, and that carried on. And then my friends, my norm, my circle started becoming my teammates. Mm. Like they were like we 
we hung out, we slept, we we woke up, we dreamed. Everything was wrestling for us. Right. So me and my best friend Jose, uh, Jose Madreno, we became like like so close. Like I would sleep at his house, and remember, my parents worked in the fields. Right. That sometimes my parents wouldn't would leave me there for like a week. Oh my god! <laughs> at my friend's house. Right. Because they couldn't drive me. Uh, you know, they were tired from the fields and stuff like that. Yeah, and sense. I was over there, like, trying to make the best out of it, like, wrestling, traveling, and like, doing whatever I had to do. And he became, like, my brother. And, you know, we ended up winning state. And then I realized, like, when, when I was in the, when I was getting sentenced to the juvenile program, I remember telling myself, I was like, I want to go to college. What am I doing with my life? You know, let, my mom probably feels that it was, um, it was all a waste. Mm. It was all a waste for her because yeah. um, all her kids were either in trouble or in jail or something, mm. you know. So I said, I want to do something. I want to. I want my mother to feel proud. I want my brother, my mom. So then I told myself, I gotta make. I gotta win this tournament so I can be on the newspaper. Okay. That was my main objective. <laughs> I didn't care to win the tournament, trophies or anything. Mm. I just wanted the newspaper. Sure. That that was my objective. So then I started. And I pushed myself, and I pushed myself, and I pushed myself. I, I, it became like my drug, my adrenaline. And then I told myself one day, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. This is, I'm going to be people that I'm not supposed to be. Right. But I'm going to get a scholarship. I'm going to go wrestle in college. And, uh, you know, that man that I told you about, mm. Jose Moreno, he ended up becoming a high school wrestling coach. Oh, perfect. So my high school wrestling coach, and then eventually I went in. I won state for him, and then he told me, you're going to leave. You're going to go. You're going to go and try out for college. You're going to go on the recruiting trips. And he literally sent me off. I went on my first recruiting trip, and I had the best party of my life. Mm -hmm. I kid you not. They suckered me in good. Because yeah. this is, I'm signing. I signed everything. Right. There was never a party. You know, but that, that party that once, I was like, I'm there. But that 2005, I graduated from high school in 2005. Mm -hmm. Me and my best friend, Jose Madreno, the one I was telling you about, mm -hmm. I remember for New Year's, we spent New Year's together, and we would always make New Year's resolutions. And I told myself, I told him, I don't know how I'm going to do it, man. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to I'm gonna learn how to fight. I'm going to fuck. I'm going to go in. I'm going to get two fights this year. Okay. I left to Tucson and uh, Tucson, Arizona, to go to college. And then I, everywhere I go, I would be like, "Hey, man, do you know where I can train? Where I can train?" Then I met this guy named Drew Fickett. He was a UFC fighter at the time, right. and uh, he told me, "You help me with your wrestling, I'll teach you MMA." Wow. And sure enough, we we hit things off, and he became my mentor. My he took me under his wing. I started going into the UFC to corner him. Mm. I was like. I was around, like, right off the back. I was, like, I was, boom, I was there, you know? Like, some people see the, like, the little stages. No, for me, it was, like, okay, I want to fight, I want to fight. And then it was, like, okay, you're going to help me wrestle. <laughs> and then, okay, you're going to corner me in Las Vegas at the Palms. And I was, like, oh, my God, let, let's go. Right. You know, I was a college student, you know? So then that's how, that's how my MMA career started. Right. That's how my wrestling chambered into my my wrestling that's how i chambered all my like all my stuff into something positive 
Yeah, because you usually don't see people who are still in college branch out into MMA. Usually they finish college, they do what they need to do in NCAA tournaments and stuff. And then after they're done, they transition to MMA. You just, while you were still in college, you went right for it. That's crazy. Yeah. So I I remember I fought seven times. I fought seven times in three months wow. because it was my, it was my, literally, I was addicted to fighting. I wanted to fight next weekend. I would spend five, six hours. Like, I remember I was training, and this was in 2005. Mm. And I could look over, and Dominic Cruz was right next to me, training with me. Yeah, he, he, We were part of Team Scrub together. Mm. We started our MMA career together, me and Dom. Right. Look at where Dom is at now, you know? True. I went on to winning the Ultimate Fighter. He went on to winning the WC World Belt, and then he went on to becoming the UFC champ. Now he's a commentator. We're great friends. We've always been friends of each other, and like you know, we have the amazing relationship, awesome. and we have this brotherhood that kind of goes with us, you know. Of course, and most definitely. Okay, so I got to ask, then, what's your most memorable belt, or uh, anything leading up to a fight, during a fight, anything that pops in your head that's like shit? That was really out of the ordinary. To me, what really, just the ability to overcome everything, you know, like the ability to sometimes be hungry and wanting to pull the plug and just say, I'm going to go to my mom's. Why am I suffering here? Mm. Why am I, why am I like so far away from home? It's summer. There's no school. I'm here suffering instead of going home and having good, nice meals, you know? And just overcoming that has been my biggest battle because I've, I've had many battles inside the cage. Sure. But the battle Bob, within my not go anywhere mm, okay. and say, you know what? This is why I'm doing it. Right. This is why I'm going to do it. No, that okay. itself has to be one of the fighters and still to this day, to say, I'm going to do it because I want to do it. Not because you tell me I can do it or anything. I'm going to do it because I want to do it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, okay, as a wrestler as well, you're very, but you're very good with your hands. How important was it to learn stand-up and submission when you already had, when you could have just been one of those guys that literally could have laid and humped, as they say, and won your matches that way? No, I'm still learning how to wrestle. I'm still learning Shoot. how to fight. I'm Okay. I'm like I'm still learning how to like throw hands, but this is the first time ever. I kid you not. I've always had a great chin, and 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 I'm gonna tell this because probably somebody, one of your fans, is is gonna look at this and try to like study me for my next spot or whatever. Let me tell you, and I'm gonna tell you the secret. Yeah. I've always had a great. Chin. Yeah. I've always had a, and eventually one day that's gonna catch me. But if you're watching this and you're my next opponent, that ain't gonna work. So I'm just letting you know. I've always had a great chin. I've always had a great determination, and I don't care to get hit because I'm one of those guys that if you hit, you see me smile. Right. But the ability to be able to wrestle and withstand pain Mm. means I'm going to break you because you know how deteriorating it is to hit somebody and they keep walking forward and they smile at you? I know. So it is very important to learn. And right now, like, I won the Ultimate Fighter. I didn't win the Ultimate Fighter because I was the most talented or because I was the best gifted or 
or, or, or anything. I won the Ultimate Fighter because every single fighter in there made it personal. Mm. You make it personal, and there is no way I will. I would jump that <laughs> cage like a bitch did, and I will eagle kick you like he did fucking... Uh, uh, Connor's friend, you know? Right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, speaking of the Ultimate Fighter, so obviously you won season eight, but obviously you won the lightweight division because it was, was that what, was that the first season where they introduced two different weight classes for a season? I think it was the right? second. Oh, it was the second. Okay. Okay. So uh, right away, you went into the house right after your dad passed away. Did you ever think of not going? Like, one of the things is, like, yes, you have all these things going around your life. But you add this pressure, like this is the ultimate fighter. You get, you get really scared, you know. Of course. So really scared, and and eventually I, uh, I got scared, and I was like, you know what? But here we go. I remember getting to the ultimate fighter, and uh, and Ryan Bader, yeah. Ryan Bader, he told me I knew Ryan Bader because of wrestling, okay. and he got like, man, this guy came a long ways to lose. And that's what, that's what saved me. Right. Those words later. That's crazy. And was like, yeah, he did. And I was like, yeah, he did. And that kind of just, it was just a sign, you know, like, right. like earlier today, you lost your electricity, but we, we, <laughs> we came to a, a, a conclusion that everything happened for a reason. For me, like I was telling you, like, you know, you, they just wanted to check that you had flashlight, that you had things that to be able to survive for your family, for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And then later, lights came back on. You're good. You know, yeah. it was just a test. For me, that was my that was my check your flashlight kind of deal. You know, like yeah, that was the right that that was the light that I was looking for. And within something transparent through Ryan Bader to tell me those words, and that just click that just turned a button and was like it reminded me and it made me focus and on the ultimate fighter finale you guys can all see that i dedicated the show to him right that's i didn't fight Junie brownie in the house Ooh. that's why i didn't, i didn't like lose my cool that's why i didn't like i was a gangster kid i would have like you know i would have done something to these guys for messing with me sure. but the fact that i had a bigger bigger message behind my head it's what kind of drove me that's crazy. So, what was the process to getting on the Ultimate Fighter? Then, did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? And uh, follow up question too: Did you know that Mira and Nogueira were going to be the coaches beforehand? I didn't know who the coaches were going to be, but okay. I did know that uh, I did know that I had to send a video. So I sent the video. Okay. I sent the video, and then I was. It was crazy. It was surreal because they called me, and I thought it was my friend, friends pranking. <laughs> sure. So I was going with the motion, and I was just talking smack. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, yeah, sure. You want me to fly out? Okay, what day? All right, cool. And they were like, you sound very cocky. They kept saying, like, oh, oh no, I'm just very confident. You know, once you put me, and then I kept talking, like, once you put me on the show, watch, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to I'm gonna show you guys off. <laughs> I got an itinerary on my email, right. and that's when it hit me. Oh, my God, it's real. Right. And then I was scared. And then I kind of panicked. Then I was like, oh, my God. Oh, that's cool. So what? what's the best and the worst thing about living in that house? Being away from family and having everything you want on a request room. 
That was amazing. Oh, true. No one ever thinks of that. Because they always, obviously, before TV purposes, they always show the drama stuff and the negative stuff. So you really don't get to see the positive stuff that makes the fighters actually happy. Yeah, we had a, you know, they had a request from meaning like you pretty much grab something and you're, you just fill it out. On, and then you go to sleep and the next day you go to that room and right. it's there. Whatever you put on there. It's wow. like, oh, my God. Jeez, that's, that's like having a magic genie. <laughs> Okay, so for the listeners, they probably don't know what happened, but we are back. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, so if the audio is a little bit off, that's the reason. But we were talking about The Ultimate Fighter, and did you hear the news that it's coming back again? Yes, I did. I actually have a friend that applied for the show. Okay. Yeah, he applied for the show. He's going through the whole process right now, and it made me reminisce, and it made me really think about the the process that I went through. I was... was you guys i told you guys uh earlier that when i was going through it i thought it was a lie <laughs> i thought it was friends messing right. around with me yeah so literally like you know for him I'm, I'm super proud and excited you know i also got the opportunity to help calvin gaslam get on the show nice look, look where calvin is at now you know so right. the ability the ultimate fighter has opened unbelievable doors not only for me but for a lot of people in the in this in the sport and to believe that diego sanchez is still like ufc one right and you know the uf the ultimate fighter stopped <laughs> he's still fighting and now he's coming back and he's still fighting man uh, i don't know there's, there's, there's something in him uh, that keeps him going man that guy he's he's one of those guys just never dies as the saying is right but w- yeah. would you want to go back as a coach or even, again, as a contestant, so to speak? I've been uh, I've been uh, on the both sides of the spectrum. Okay. I've been been there as a coach. I was the head coach of the Ultimate Fighter Latin America. Oh, that's right. Okay. We don't get that up here. So I, love, I would love to go back because I think my mentality is different. Okay. I was going through a lot of issues when I was the head coach of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I was having my own personal battles. Sure. And... It, it was uh, very unstructured. I think I could have done a lot more. Even though I um, I have a great relationship with all the guys, I think uh, now the mentality and everything that I have, I think it, it would be different. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. Okay, so speaking of UFC, you're one of the few people who actually had three different stints at different times in the UFC. So... How was it getting, well, obviously it's, it sucks, but being released the first time, then coming back, did you think that, oh, now I'm going to stay here forever, and then getting released again, and you're like, no, no, that's it, it's over. So what was going through your mind through all of that? You know, um, at, at one point of, of, of the time, I kind of told myself, what the hell am I doing? Mm. Just like you said, I told myself, what am I doing? Why am I still fighting? What's going on? It, it's hard to stay motivated, but then you kind of realize that I didn't get into the sport because I wanted to because of uh, of the ufc i got sure. into this because it was my escape okay. uh, i didn't you lock me in a cage and that's the only time i'm free what do i mean with that let me elaborate sure. right now i'm telling you i can be talking to you right now and i can be answering a question but deep inside you are thinking of the next question yeah. you are thinking of what's going on around you are thinking like okay what's up later what, what are we gonna ask where we're we gonna uh, how are we gonna go around this interview what like so your mind's always working and for the human and everybody that's watching this and listening to this audio you guys can actually take a moment and realize like literally just close your eyes and stop 
and your mind will continue will start to wonder you're gonna start like even even if you're wondering about like what am i doing and you're gonna ask yourself within your mind what am i doing Right. Like, why am I closing my eyes? So you start questioning. Your mind's always running at 100 miles an hour. Well, to me, that's the same thing. I'm human like everybody else. I, I have I have my kids. I got to make sure they eat. I got to make sure there's the, there's food on the table. I got to make sure we work. I got to plan out the day. You know, not only as you get older, you live on a budget, but you actually budget your day out. Mm-hmm. Like, what am like? So you structure your day out. But when I'm getting in the cage, that is the only time I'm free. Nothing else matters. Now what I'm going to eat later, now what, how my kids are doing, mm-hmm. I know they're good. Like literally, like that moment is the only time where I can live life in the moment, in the present time. Right. Like, oh, you got to move your head. You got to move your head. Because if you don't move your head, you get hit. And that is literally, I think that if everybody in this world was able to find that moment, and that, that, that thing that makes them be free of themselves sure. and their mind be, live in the moment, you're never happy. We're never happy. And I can tell you right now, I like I always tell people, and I always try to be a motivational to everybody I encounter, and I, I let them know, no matter what you do, hmm. like I'm always asking them, like, are you grateful to be where you are right now? Sometimes we just have to take a day and be like, you know what, man? So it wasn't long ago. It wasn't long ago that I, I was way down, you know, and I wanted to be here. And now I'm here. Okay, cool. Take it in. Absorb it. Take a day for yourself. Tomorrow, plan out where you want to be next and go after it. I think that, you know, that's how we set because we're setting levels to our own success. Of so now, all when we fall now, let's say we, we fail, we're only going to get to this point. Our point of us being like, okay, cool, we got here. <laughs> yeah. And, and move forward. Because if you don't ever take that time, when you fall, you fall way down that hill. And it has to be like little levels to the hill. Sure. What's easier to climb? A, a straight up hill or a step hill? Yeah, I see your point. You know? Yeah. So, so create steps. You know, so when you fall, okay, cool. Okay, I still have bills. I still got everything, but okay, I, I got a house. Instead of being like, oh, I'm going to save all this money, and then you spend all the money, you're like, oh, man, I'm, I messed up because I didn't, I didn't plan it out. Right. So that that that's the, that's the time. So when the UFC released me, mm-hmm. it, it, it did affect me in a point, and it did affect me to the point where I was sad. I was angry at myself. Right. But the ability to remind myself that I didn't get into the sport for that. I did it because I love the competition. I love mm-hmm. the one-on-one. Obviously, yes, the fame, the money, and everything that comes around with the UFC is beautiful. <laughs> of course. But the ability to be free of myself is actually good for me. It's healthy for me, and it's my uh, it's my escape. That's so cool to hear. So what's the biggest difference from the first day you stepped into a UFC cage to the last day you were in a UFC cage? The first time I stepped into the UFC cage, I had the killer instinct. Okay. There's no way. Nobody (laughs) in front of me. I will will wreck you. I will... Like, you know, I don't care who you are. You're not going to beat me. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna run around the fucking 
for 25 minutes and eventually yeah. you're going to get tired because you're going to get tired of chasing me and I'm going to whoop your ass. That was me. Right. Last, I, um, so this is the way I will explain it to you. Okay. And I use a lot of metaphors for everybody, so I, I like to explain it. I'm the same way. Like if, I love it. It's like if I was explaining it to my kids. When you are when you enter the UFC and when you enter MMA, mm. picture me, there's a steak you have to eat. There's one piece of steak. <laughs> it's good. It's perfect. It's like, oh, my God. Right. You need to eat. So what are you going to do? You're going to go in there and only one person can take the steak. You're hungry. And you're like, man, if I don't eat, if I don't eat, I'm going to die. Right. If I don't get steak, I'm going to die. So you, I'm a die mentality. I let Evan Dunham break my arm before I tapped. That's how bad I wanted that piece of steak. That's crazy. I didn't. And like my arm was just hanging. So Ooh. the ability to... To, to withstand pain and everything because you know that if you don't get the you're going to die. Mm. Throughout the process and throughout your, your and throughout everything, you become uh, complacent. You become comfortable. It's just like everything else, you know? Of course. You tell yourself, okay, well, I've been here before. I know how to... I, I've, I've done the work. I, so then that takes over. So then when it takes over, you kind of you kind of lose sense to it. Like you're like, all right, cool. There's still a piece of steak, but the, the, steak is, the steak is big. We can cut it. Like let's cut it in half. So your hunger kind of like deters. Why? Because your, your, your self-doubts, your insecurities, your inability to sometimes you get beat at the gym and you let it affect you too much. True, yeah. Your... Your the ability to like you know you have fans now that doubt you. You have fans that say you can't do it, right? And that plays a big role into this. Of course. You know, a lot of every every person has a Twitter and a is Facebook and an Instagram, and they yep. can say, "Man, you suck." Yeah. But you 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 start to read all these comments, and then you start getting involved in it. But you don't know that this is your life. This is your livelihood. It's like me telling somebody at their job, like, you know, you're a waitress. And me going to your restaurant and telling you, well, you don't pay attention. You <laughs> suck. You're not hurrying up. Right. Like, what are you? Oh, my God. This this waitress is better. This waitress is better. They do. And you're like, you get, you're like, what the hell? Why am I doing this? Exactly. Yeah. So. But that's what people don't understand. This is our livelihood. This is what we do. This is this is not like, oh, okay, maybe I'm going to work one day and, you know, another and, and then maybe we're going to do this. No, this is what we do. And it hurts us. Yes, you you might lose 10 bucks on our bet, but we lose <laughs> half of our purse. Exactly. Yeah, we're losing thousands and thousands of dollars in this fight. And then when the UFC cuts you, they're like, ah, oh, he was useless. Man, well, what the hell, you know? Our dreams are crushed. This is like getting fired from your job. This is like you working so hard at in, 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 as a waitress, and then they're like, nah, sorry, you know what? You're done. Yeah, no without kidding. No, without no, no, no money, now you're like, well, 
big difference. When you come into the UFC, you're hungry. Yeah. Somewhere around there, you lose it because of the outside things around you. So you have to make sure a great circle around you. Right now, if I step into the UFC, I know I will kill it. I know I would kill it because my mentality, mm-hmm. where I'm at right now, I've been up, I've been down, I've been hurt, I've been sad, I've been, I've been like celebrated, I've haven't been celebrated, but the ability to like tell myself when I was in high school, I told myself one day I'm gonna train so hard that I have to crawl out of the gym. Hmm. I wanted to get so tired that I wanted to crawl. Right now, my mentality is for my training for my next fight is I want to make sure I work so hard that I puke in the gym. Wow. I haven't been able to puke. <laughs> Shit. So my mentality is like, you're not going to take me down. There's no way. Why? Because I'm that veteran that says, you know what? I'm going to prove it to myself. Not you. Not anybody. I'm going to break you. Right. Look, just so I can tell you, know what? I still got it. Oh my God! Well, going back to your arm literally hanging. What do you think? It because you've never. You, we said it earlier in the podcast. You never got ever knocked out in your whole career. So, what do you think is worse in your mind? Getting your arm snapped like that, or actually getting knocked out? Well, uh, so during the I had won the Ultimate Fighter. I knocked out Cole Miller, and you know they kept changing opponents on me, okay. and I was living the good life because I had just got a, spo- a, a Bud Light sponsor, nice. and they gave me free alcohol, and I was training. <laughs> I was supposed to or just start up. I trained literally like three weeks for the Evan Dunham fight, and I wow. remember being in an armbar, and I like when I stepped in round one and round two, I knew I was better than Evan Dunham. I felt his strength and it wasn't like to what I expected sure. and I was having fun he just got lucky on the one of those moves and I remember punching him and I was in an armbar instead of trying to defend and I was like I thought to myself what am I doing here I'm better than him why right. am I in an armbar and as I'm thinking my arm snapped but yeah but then I tell myself I didn't care I didn't care I was not gonna tap mm. I was not gonna tap there's no way I was going to tap in that well. So to me, my arm, uh, like, you know, my arm recovered. Of I'm course. good to go. Yeah. <laughs> my chin, you wouldn't recover, you know? No, oh, that's a good point, of course. Okay, so you fought your whole career at 155 pretty much. Maybe an odd fight here or there. Is there a reason? Do you obviously you enjoy it? Is that like your perfect weight? You don't have to cut a lot? Or would you prefer? My next, my next fight is at 170. Oh, there you go. I, I fought at 170 my last fight. Okay. Uh, so I've been playing around with 170. I think that if I once I make it to a big promotion, I will go down back to 155. But, okay. but for the time being, there is absolutely no way that I would uh, take a fight at a lower weight class right now. Mm. Because, I mean, it, it takes, I just need, especially with this whole COVID stuff, you know? Ah, uh, makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to ask. We've been seeing a lot on your social media recently. Your involvement with Tora and, or how how do you actually pronounce it? Because you say it in English, Terra, but then in I guess Portuguese or uh, Spanish, you say Tora MMA. So which one actually is it? Tora. Tora. Exactly. That's what I figured. Okay. So how, what's your involvement with this fight league? Well, uh, okay. So this fight league came about. Uh, like they reached out to me and I at first I didn't know how serious this company was you know 
And then all of a sudden, they blew me out of the way. Like, they, they, they started treating me really good, and they started me inviting me, like, places. They gave me the opportunity to, with, to be at Fox Deportes, and, you know. There you go. And they're doing amazing things. Like, so, they had an event. So, they hired me as a fighter. Okay. okay? So, they hired me as a fighter. Uh, they started signing everybody. Like, everybody. Mm. I don't know if you've seen the roster, but they have everybody. I've noticed. They got a few names in so, there, yeah. Um, I saw, yeah, so, um, it was, uh, they called me, and they're like, hey, you want to be the commentator? I was oh. like, hell yeah. So, I went down to Miami, and I got to witness their live show in Orlando. The whole preparation, I was in Miami, so they threw me out of Miami. I did a, a commentating job there, and I stood a few days in Miami, and then they drove me, they sent a driver, and they took me down to Orlando. I was in Orlando for a couple of days. I got to interview the fighters. This is the first promotion ever. I kid you not. We were in Orlando. Okay. In, uh, in uh, like, rental resorts. Oh. Every fighter had a house Shit. in these rental resorts like yeah they were side by side but you had a complete house right and it was like it was insane i've never seen this happen okay so now i gotta ask who's okay. running this league is it some billionaire is it a, a corporation it's it's uh it's uh it's a couple people and okay. they got fox deportes they got fox okay like uh they got combate in brazil there's, okay. It's the biggest organization in Brazil. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so that makes sense. And they're coming to they're coming to America. So okay. they're making their expansion over here. Oh, gotcha. So is this something you want to look forward towards? Maybe when you officially hang up the gloves, do you want to do commentary after you're done fighting? If it uh, if it pays me, why not? You know, I love it. I, I I've seen everything. I've seen everything about with when within itself. Eventually, this promotion i kid you not right. eventually i want to be part of the like the the scouting team like oh. i i travel and i i i scout sure. for new for new talent that's going to come in here mm-hmm. they got three net three major networks working like tv networks working with that right that's huge of course it is so right there alone you know it's no yeah, joke so, i mean i mean when it when so when it comes to like network money, mm-hmm. I mean, count me in. I don't care what it is. I'll, I'll clean the restroom. <laughs> there you go. Well, okay. Before we end the show with the word story of the week, I got a, a, one more question. So you've again, you fought in you you said it in pretty much every big name organization here in North America, from Bellator to PFL. First off, what do you prefer more? Because you were involved in the PFL tournament. Do you prefer like the tournament style base, or do you want like the one off matches? Um, coming from a wrestling, coming from a wrestling standpoint of view, I was uh, I was always in a bracket kind of deal. Okay, yeah. So I, I can deal with brackets. Sure. The PFL is kind of weird. Like it was really weird to understand as a fighter base because, okay, so you don't have to win all the fights, mm-hmm. but you can make it to the finals. Right. Because. Because it's a point-based structure. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, was very confusing. Okay. And that, to a lot of people, can be confusing. Like, why is he not in the finals? Why right. is he in the finals, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's very weird. Oh, my God. So out of all these organizations, what's been... Not the best, because they're all different in their own ways. Where, where did you have your most fun in? UFC. Was it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
UFC is is amazing. Well, especially because uh, when I was in Bellator, I was during the era before Scott Coker. Oh yes, I I, I had Sean McCorkle on, and he said, yeah, Bjorn Rebney was not very good at what he was doing over there. Yeah, so that was a time during like when fighters were just sitting down on the bench. Yeah, and they were not really doing nothing. Scott Coker came, and I mean, obviously now Bellator is a great organization. Rich Cha is the matchmaker, and mm-hmm. You know, I've known him. I, I met him in 2010 when I was part of the BJ Penn's camp oh, okay. in Costa Mesa, California. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. It's growing. Um, I think that it was they 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 stood their ground, never selling. You know, to the UFC because mm. UFC came and sold everybody, bought oh. everybody, bought Pride, bought everybody. Strike Force, you know? yeah, yeah. No kidding. So okay, you fought for. Golden Boy Promotions as well. Now, was this the one where it was the only MMA card they put? It was, it was the first one, I believe, right? They only had one show. It was a Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell 3. Okay, now I got to ask. Did you meet Mr. De La Hoya? Did you get to uh, talk to him throughout I this? Shook, or? Yeah, well, I shook his hand. Yes. Okay. Yes, I got to shake his hand. And most importantly, when we were at the... Because we fought at the, at the, at the forum. Yes, in LA, in LA, and I kid you not, Oscar De La Hoya may have some issues, and he always had like you know when he dressed like a girl, and sure. you know Dana White's always like telling him that he has an issue. I know. I don't care, but a lot of people love Oscar De La Hoya, of course, because when we fought, when we fought, mm-hmm. who's who of celebrities were in the audience, like. Right? I don't know if you watched the, uh, uh, watch the episode of Narcos. Okay, yeah. yeah I've watched the whole where, season, yeah. Okay, so uh, Kike Camarena, right. Michael Pena. Yes. He comes into my locker room, tells me, you got a new fan. Oh, shit. That was an amazing fight. My son tries to fight him. Mm-hmm. He picks up my son and we take a picture. Like if you look on my social media, there's a picture of me with Michael Pena, him picking up my son. My nice. son's trying to punch him. <laughs> and then we'd see him on TV. Right. And it was just the ability. Like, you know, I watch, I, I took a picture with uh, Michael J. Fox, his lady. Nice. I saw like, you know, everybody, like people. I was like, oh my God. And all these people were there. And it was, um, you know, more than Oscar De La Hoya, it was just uh, the ability to fight in front of all these people that, that made it all possible. Because, yes, we fight in front of thousands of people right. and not taking any credibility from any any people, but the ability to actually be a, be a entertainer for the stars. That's fucking, that's like, that's amazing, you know. I, I can say like, oh my God, all these people, and they appreciate your work, you know, just like right. we appreciate their work. Yeah, I'm not kidding. It's so cool when you see the celebrities cross paths and how they both mark out, so to speak, for each other. Yeah, and it's crazy. It was it was amazing. I had a lot of fun. Okay, cool. All right, ready for the weird story of the week? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. First off, have you ever been hypnotized, or do you believe in hypnotherapy, so to speak? Yes, I have. Oh, you have. So it's it's worked on you. Yes, I was uh, well, 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 like uh, during that story that I told you that I broke my arm. Right. I uh, when I was coming back from therapy, I was very uh, I was very hesitant to throw my my right. I wouldn't throw it. Gotcha. I was hesitant. I was scared. I thought something was going to happen. So I, I I started fighting back, and I would always hold it back, and I would never let it go. 
My coach would be like, let it go. And I couldn't. And I remember going to one of my friends, and he was uh, Drew Fickett and his wife at the time. His wife, uh, well, girlfriend, that's what she did. So she put these little things in my hand okay. that just vibrate. Literally, it vibrated. Okay, yeah. So cleared out the room and it vibrated. She forced me to close my eyes. And at first you kind of think you're lying. You, you, you first you think like, what the hell am I doing? Remember I told you about like closing your eyes. Yeah. And they, I have these things that are like, uh, like one, one at a time is vibrating. So it's always keeping your mind going. Mm. They start asking you questions. They start asking you questions and they're like, you go to sleep or you go to sleep, you go to sleep. Okay. And I thought to myself, and I was awake the whole time. So oh. they took me through this whole process. Sure. Like, literally, it was like, why are you scared? What's going on? Mm. Grab your fears. Put it in this room. Okay. Go to your happy place. And they kept telling me. And they kind of had me visualizing myself, like, literally doing it. Like, So I kind of was like, what am I doing? Like, in myself. But I was still going through the motion because I was not going to cut anything like that. Right. So I was still going through the motion. And uh, one of the things... Like, they're like, all right, cool. You're going to go back to your, you're going to put your fears in this box and you're going to put it out. And this hypnotherapy was like kind of weird because, okay. you know, I kind of like it. They, they convinced me because uh, uh, Kobe Bryant, who rest in peace right. during the time, that's what he was doing. Uh, so okay. that, I wanted to try it. Right. So, so then they're like, all right, then go back to your happy place. Now, you remember where you left that little box, right? Mm. And I said, yes, I remember where I left that box. So I keep it there. Now go back to your happy place. All right, cool. Is your is, is any of your problems there? And I was like, no. They're like, open your eyes now, and you're going to be here. I opened my eyes, and it felt like I was just waking up. Oh. Like, literally, like if you wake up in the morning. Yeah. Like, like if... Like yeah. if I had, if I was dreaming the whole time, but I was con- con- conscious of everything that was going on. Oh my goodness! Okay, so maybe this week's weird story won't be so weird to you because person I've I, they've tried to hypnotize me before. It, it hasn't worked. I don't know. Maybe but see, it, I think that I think that the belief of it, like that's what really matters because you kind of gotta feed into it. At first, I was, mm. I was I thought like you're not gonna convince me to hypnotize me, right? But if you actually let your mind actually work, you literally, because I, I remember everything that was going on. I remember all the questions. I ran through everything. But the moment sure. that I woke up, right. it felt like I was waking up. Like I was wow. like, I opened my eyes and I'm like, wait, where am I? What am I doing? You know? So it was very subconscious and weird. No, that does sound weird. Not kidding. Okay. Now, how about this? Before I get to the story, are you, would you be able to eat only one specific piece of food for the rest of your life? Yeah, tacos. Oh, no, see, but that doesn't count because that's a mixture of foods. I'm saying, okay, how about just like no. a taco shell for the rest of your life? Like a taco shell? No, wait, <laughs> oh, wait, let me see. Wait, like, so let's say that if I had to just eat one thing for the rest of my life and it, my health wouldn't change or anything? Uh, okay, yeah, we'll say that, yeah, no, it won't affect your health whatsoever. Okay, and you, I can just see, so, okay, so... It can be a mixture of food, but it can only be one food. Yeah, one base of food, yeah. One base. Uh, <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? That would be hard because, I mean, I would get tired of steak. That's the thing. But, no matter what, you'll get yeah, tired of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I no, I couldn't. No, because I do my diets and I usually eat fish and chip, chicken for like, for like six weeks, nine weeks. And then I can't, eat, can't even eat. eat fish or chicken for the next, like, 
by months. I hear you, man. Don't worry. Mine, personally, I think I would have to go with potatoes because there's so many ways you could bake a potato, fry a potato, mash a potato. You could at least vary it up, right? Okay. So now this week... That's very good. So now... Oh, this whole lead up for this week's weird story, it better be a good one, I guess, because the anticipation now. Okay, so there's this 15-year-old boy. He's out in England, actually, to be more specific, in Wales. And this boy would only eat sausages every day. His mother would have to fry a sausage, and that would be his meal. He would have one sausage and a cup of water every single meal. So he would eat three sausages a day. Wow. Right? Isn't that weird? But here's the kicker. So, okay, well, first off, the mom was spending $75 a month. So to me, I think that's a bonus. That's pretty cheap to feed someone a month. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's a positive, actually. But it was so bad that they would go out and the boy would, like, stay in corners and would stay away from food. He would start crying. He wouldn't want to eat anything else. He would have to have this specific brand of sausage. So, as a good mother, she was worried because this went on for like only like a few weeks. And she thought, okay, this is not right behavior. She took him to doctors. She took him to specialists, everything. They didn't know what was wrong with this kid. He mentally checked out fine. Everything was good. They couldn't see anything wrong with him. So, someone suggested hypnotherapy, like how you went through. And she was like, well, what else do I have to lose? She didn't believe in it. So, she's like, okay, I'll do it, right? So, apparently, the hypnotherapist spent one two-hour session with this kid and cured him. Now the kid eats everything. Like he never even had a phobia. But apparently, yeah. n- not to make fun of this poor kid, this is an actual disease. Like it's known as ARFID. So it's some co- sort of phobia towards every specific food except the one that you put in your head that you could eat. Yeah. And he was so cured. I think, I think, I think the, uh, the hypnotherapy does work because I myself can can tell you about it that's so crazy but but it's just the ability to say well what do i have to lose and actually believing in it because literally it's just a mental block literally it's a mental block one like for example to me i'm a firm believer that like i have tattoos in my body and one of my tattoos is an anchor and i anchor oh. kind of like in my all my tattoos have a story you know it's a storyline so i have a sleeve and in the back i have an anchor and the anchor is just to remind myself that i am my own ship if i just say you know what i'm done with whatever it doesn't matter i'm done you know i'm done my mom smoked for 30 years one day woke up and said you know what i'm done smoking Mm. i've never picked up a cigarette good for her and the ability to be able to tell your mind and be strong willed and just we have these little barriers, like True. why, like Will Smith, and I told you guys earlier yeah. about the whole Will Smith, you know, <laughs> like the whole world's around him, and, and he has this thing about, he has a speech, and everybody can go look at it, where he says, you know, the, I was scared of, like, you know, like when he went skydiving, right. the fear of skydiving was just the anticipation to get there, but once it's you true. jump out of a plane, you're no longer scared. I mean, yeah. the moment that you got to be scared because you're flying in the air is bliss. I know. It, it's so weird how it works that way. So our mind is one of our strongest and most powerful things that we have as a human person. The ability for me to not to quit, the ability to go 
in and out every single time, in and out of UFC, mm -hmm. but the ability to stay positive and look at the best outcome. You went without power, and we try to figure out, you know what? This is why it happened. We looked at a positive side out of it. Right. We can be negative about it. We can like say, oh, you know, don't work. All this don't work, but guess what? It all has a it all has a cycle, man. Like so, the ability of your mind. So your mind, if you can think, if you can see it, if you can go about it, that's how it is, man. So, no, that's I so think cool. uh, I think I think this this story is amazing. It's not weird to me, right? I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing, and you know, don't knock it until you try it. I know, but l let me tell you, everybody, on all your listeners, mm. I would highly recommend doing it. Don't tell your friends because if you tell your friends, you're gonna like be the tough one. You're like, nah, hell no, this it didn't work, you know. Right. Just go on your own. Go on your own because, you know what, what you know, I do it myself too. We pop these ego, and I was like, oh, it's not gonna work on me. But okay. in reality, it does work on me. And the ability for us to be like, you know what? Okay, let let's let let me give it a try. Like for reals. Of course. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do, and I'm gonna do it. And I'm literally gonna like. Clear my mind and and just try it and see and see the abilities and then just go about your life after and just keep it to yourself and be like, man, does it did it really work? Did it not work? You know exactly. And I, again, I I poke fun at a lot of stuff, but I'm mostly a positive person and I love when people are positive. And my whole saying, and I've said it plenty of times on the show, the listeners know, I don't give a shit what people do behind the scenes as long as they're not hurting anyone. That's else in the world like you know what i mean yep. like going back to oscar de la Hoya, do i care about all the drug allegations do i care about again all the dress i don't care he's not hurting anyone but himself so let him do his shit what does it matter <laughs> like you know what i mean is it physically hurting you that he's doing this to himself no so who gives two shits like people just don't get it like worry about yourself and maybe this would be a better world too right yeah i mean obviously you have to be uh you have to be positive, and you know I've been on the on the inside of the spectrum to myself, and I'll let everybody know. You know there was a time where I I, I, I did do drugs and I did that, and you know what? It, it, to me, it's I, I got to understand the the ability of why people use drugs. Mm. It's really not because of the drug that people use it. I know. Like it's not even a high. Like some people don't even like. I was using drugs. Not even for the high, but because I had nothing to do. I was, <laughs> wow. like, bored. I was, yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, might as well just do this, you know? And you you kind of, like, you, you start reminiscing, and you're, like, why? Well, why am I? What, what, is, what is wrong with me? What is it? Nothing's wrong with me. It's just, like, you put something in your mind. <laughs> right. That it's that, you know what? This is the cool thing to do. Like, you don't need it. You don't, you don't need it to have fun or you don't need it to be better or you don't need it for nothing. You're just doing it because you want to escape your reality for that short, small period of time. That's so true. Like, you're like, whatever. And even sometimes, for example, I know some people and, and, and some people that use drugs because they, 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 they want the attention from people. That makes sense, too. Like, because sometimes they feel so lonely mm -hmm. that they do it, it feels like people care about him. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Only, and, and I always talk to, I, I, I talk to this person, and, you know, and, and, and he's close to me, and it's just like, 
you know, and, and his, his life's always been around that, you know, he, he lost his kids and mm. he, he always, he's, he's lived a, lot, a hard life. He did a lot of years in prison and, you know, he, he's still on this thing, but it's not because he loves it. It's just that he doesn't have an aspiration to be like, Oh, what am I doing? Right. So going back to everything, you know, it's the mind, it's the ability to work towards something. Yep. It's the mind that, you always have to set little barriers. Take some time right now to all my listeners. Take some time and literally remember where you were at a year ago mm-hmm. and tell yourself, damn, you know what? I want to see improvement every single year. I don't care if it's like a little bit of improvement. It doesn't matter. You make some money, grab, buy something for your house. So it can remind you, hey, you know what? I bought that. Yep. You know, it wasn't long ago. I, I had roommates. I left everything in my old apartment. Oh shit. And I moved. Like literally I left everything. Wow. Like everything besides my clothes and my like my stuff fighting and stuff. And I moved and I started from scratch. I bought a table. I bought a bed. I bought TV. I bought couches. I like I bought my own plates. Oh, it was wow. just to remind me, you know what? This is a first start. Here we go. I can rebuild. And 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 the foundation, and once again going back to Will Smith's <laughs> like motivation. Will Smith says, "Well, I'm gonna lay this brick. I'm gonna lay this brick as solid as possible, and then I'm gonna lay this other brick and do a brick solid as possible." America, America's building a wall. It's a fence, but be be the difference. Create that. Go out there, like you said it yourself. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life. It doesn't matter if if if, if it's affecting you or. But if it makes you happy, remember, if it's not making you better, think about it. Sit down, take a moment, be grateful of where you at. Uh, remember your direction, and I gotta appreciate a big appreciation to my boss because me and my boss has my for my work he's been uh he's been a really like like guy that kind of sits behind the the scene and uh, allows me to to travel and, and go do all these things for my fighting and you know he opens i he knows that i'm a, I'm a reliable worker mm-hmm. but yet we had a talk and we had a meeting and he said and one of the things that i cherish and i i take with me is he said make sure you always have a direction Mm. you know always know know where you're going right like i like that you know have a balance life balance so no matter what it is have life balance know a direction if you're a car you're going to get faster where you want to be know where you want to be get your gps find the best road to get there and start driving in that direction yes on the way you might stop at at a rest stop you might stop at a you know like it, like I'm just hypothetically speaking, right. you know, using traffic life. Um, you know, there's going to be stores you stop at. There's going to be places you sleep on. Mm-hmm. But you're always moving it in the direction of your success, and success is measured individually by different people. So that's mm-hmm. why I cherish, like what my boss has said. That's what I cherish. What people have said, and you know what, I'm gonna cherish the story that you just told me about, like hemotherapy, because I think that's something great. No, that's awesome. And those are words to live by. So, Efrian, where could people find you? Where could people get a hold of you? All that fun stuff. Anything up and coming? Every, 
I will be fighting January 28. Everybody, I'm, uh, I've never, I've been to Rio. I've been in Brazil three times, but I've never been to Rio. This nice. will be my first time uh, fighting in Rio de Janeiro. I will be fighting. Uh, stay tuned to Tara MMA so that you can find out my opponent. Uh, my social media at Fes Escudero on all platforms. Efraín Escudero on my Facebook. And guys, out of everything that I said today, take this, take this like for a grain of salt and just make sure that you're being positive. We're all, we're all living in a, in a world that, you know, right now with the whole pandemic, just be kind and, and, you know, a simple, you can do it or, Hey, how you doing to, to a friend and stuff like that can mean a lot because right now you never know a breaking point to somebody is, it's, it's very near. So, you know, uh, be 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 kind to one another, show respect to one another, and guys, if if you're training, if you're fighting, if you're working, just go out there and, and be the best you can be, man. Perfect. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter under Finga Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail dot com. Rewind to the top of the show and support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out helps me out and if you're into video games and if you love books please visit bossfightbooks.com they got everything there from titles like nba jam super mario brothers 3 all the good old classics you could read up on backstories of those games so please visit bossfightbooks.com so on that note he's fdn i'm steve this is the podcast peace Ah!